This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. I want to question y'all a little bit tonight. So, a lot of things, we hear a lot of stories in the Bible, you know. You hear about David and Goliath, you hear about Samson and Delilah, you hear about the Good Samaritan, alright? These are stories to us. But there's truth in these stories. This is a lesson from Jesus Himself. So, the question is, this is an old story, you know, Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. How does this apply to me today as a Christian living in America, halfway around the globe, in a different culture, 2,000 years later, how does this apply to me? Well, the question that is asked to Jesus is, who is my neighbor? That's a good question that many people really don't think about. Who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus was... T- Oops. Jesus... Let's go to Luke 10 and read the, read the story here. Beginning in verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up, and tempting him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiments, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him, and also passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, Go and do thou likewise. We have a command from God, from Jesus Himself. Go and do likewise. To do what? Show mercy on Him. To be a neighbor to this, to this man. So this neighbor. He, there were many men that came by. You know, we had a priest. We had a Levite. We had good, strong, biblical men who should have been able to take care of this man. What did they do? They walked by him. So he's called to love. He's called to show mercy, show compassion on him. What is love, you know? What does it mean to love? Well, in John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that who should ever believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here's God loving. What did God do? He gave. So there's a sacrifice. There's a cost associated with this loving, with this giving that we're supposed to do. You know, if love was free, we would feel entitled to it. It'd be... How would, how would we... Did God look down on us and see such righteous people that He felt entitled to save us? No, he looked down and the best we have to offer, as Paul says, is nothing but filthy rags. So he loved us enough that he gave 
His only begotten Son, which means his only, the only one He had. This was His most loved Son. This is what He gave. He gave the best that He had to offer for us. So He gave the ultimate sacrifice. So how do we love? In Luke 6.27 it says, But I say unto you which hear, Love your enemies, do good unto them which hate you. That's a very simple to command there. We're to love our enemies. That's, that's a hard saying. I have enemies. You know, if I have enemies... If I have enemies. I guess I do have enemies. I haven't made any yet, but I will have enemies. I'm supposed to love them. Well, how do we love them? We bless them that curse you. You pray for them which despitefully use you. Unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, also also the other. Him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid him not to take thy coat also. We're, su- we're supposed to show this compassion on people. These people that are hurting us, that are, that are hating us. That we're supposed to do this. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods... Ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do unto you, do ye unto them likewise. As men, as you want men to treat you, that's how you should treat them. For if you love them which love you, what think of ye? For sinners also love them that love them. Love those that love them. That's a pretty easy saying right there. It's really easy. If you if Dane, you know, if me and Dane have a good relationship here, it's gonna be easy for me to love him. But if he's trying to kill me all the time or smack me around every time he sees me, it's going to be really hard for me to show compassion to love him. That's what I'm commanded to do. It's a really hard saying to ask. You know, he says, If you do good to them which do good to you, what thank of you? For sinners also do the same. If you lend to them which you have hoped to receive, what thank of you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. This is very easy. You can see these people are loving them Loving those that love them, it's very easy to do. We're not called to do that. We're called to love our enemies. Do good, lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. I was unthankful. I was evil. He showed compassion on me. He showed mercy on me that he saved my soul. Wow. So that's that's how we can love. We're supposed to love people the same way that God has loved us. This... Putting that above. So we're in this story that Jesus tells. We're introduced to the neighbors, as I like to call them. We're introduced to three different groups of people. We're introduced to what I'm going to classify as the robbers. Who have an iron rule where might makes right. They went through, they saw something they wanted, they took it. They saw this man, I don't know what he had. He was journeying from Jerusalem to Jericho. He may have had goods, he may have I don't know, it doesn't say but the, the robbers saw something that they wanted. So what did they do? They implemented their will on him. They took what they wanted. The religious, we have the priests and the Levites. They lived by something called the silver rule that I like to call it. They treated others as they treat you. What did, this, what did the wounded man do to the, him? What did the wounded man do to the religious people? Nothing. He didn't do anything for them. So they did nothing for him. And then we have the Samaritan who lives by what is called the golden rule, treat others as you would like to be treated. If the Samaritan was wounded in the road, he would have wanted the wounded man to help him. That's how God calls us to love. How how does this relate to us today, though? Well, unfortunately, we still have conflict. We still have mistrust. We still have hate today between groups of people. This is exhibited by, in recent history in in America, prejudice, segregation, or uh, even... A self-righteous appearance. I'm, I'm better than you personality, you know. 
That's starting to separate people. Because, but that's not how we're called to treat them. It's relevant today because just like 2,000 years ago, we're called to help those in need. Not just physically, like the Samaritan helped this wounded man, but also spiritually. We have something that we can help people with. We have the salvation that Christ offered to us. We can share that message of hope to them. So let's take some lessons from this story. How can this be applied to our lives today? So we're to love our neighbor. This means everyone. Back in, in verse 27, he says, He answered, Thou shalt love the neighbor, the Lord their God, with all thy heart, with all thy strength, and with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And thy neighbor is thyself. Jesus said, Thou answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. So who was the Samaritan, and who was the hurt man? Well, it doesn't really say that the hurt man, but it's kind of inferred that he's a Jew. So we have a Jew and a Samaritan. You know what? In, today's, in, in that world, they were enemies. They would have nothing to do with each other. The Samaritans were a half-breed of... descended from Israelites, the northern tribes, mixed with the Assyrians. So they claimed Jewish ancestry, but they weren't pure, full-blooded Jews. So the Jews looked down on them. The Gentiles looked down on them because they claimed Jewish blood. So the Samaritans were a race set apart and hated by everyone. The Jew, the, if the Jew was the hurt man, was a Jew, him and the Samaritan in regular day, today dealing would have nothing to do with each other. So they have, they're enemies by world standards. But does God call us to do anything by a worldly standard? Are we called to love on a worldly standard? No. He doesn't care if there's hate or prejudice in our hearts. We, we're called to love one another. Now, I'm not trying to say that you need to let everything slide, let love rule all. There's a balance we have to show. There's discernment that we have to show. We can't just be overly loving and let anything come, you know. We have to stand for truth. But through standing for truth, we love people because we can show them God's grace, God's mercy. You know, we're called to help if they're Jews and we're Samaritans. Even if they don't look like us, if they don't talk like us, even if they don't believe in our God. Ooh, that's a hard one. You know, what if you're talking to a person, an Indian from India, and he believes in a Hindu, and he has a rat god, and he's hurt. What are we supposed to do? Just let him. What if we're the only person that can help him? And you don't know that. But what if you are? And then through helping him, you lead him to salvation. That's an opportunity. You have to take advantage of every opportunity. This is going to be really hard. What if they've wronged you in the past? What if there's a person that comes into your life who's, You've had dealings with in the past and they've wronged you. Still to love them. Now, does that mean you need to be buddies buddies with them and hang out with them all the time? No, but you can still show love to them. Jesus said that we're to love one another. By stopping and helping, this Samaritan was showing the love we as Christians are called to show. When we reach out in love toward those that the world tells us to hate, we're showing the love of Christ. In John 13, 34, it says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know you're my disciples, if you have loved one to another. This is Christ speaking to his, to his disciples there. He's telling them to love as He loved them. He loved them perfectly. Are we going to love perfectly? No. We can love as, as good as we can, and working toward it every day, we hope to get better to but we're, we're never going to achieve perfect love. But we're to strive towards that. To love one another as I have loved you. 
It's not a self-love, though. Is he promoting self-love, you want to ask? No. Because it says in verse 27, Thy neighbor as thyself. It's, it's very easily misinterpreted that you would say, as yourself means that you love yourself. You know, They're thinking that for some people, for truly to love others, you must love yourself first. But that's not what it's saying. Self-love is not a concept you read in the Bible, especially the parable of the Good Samaritan. Love, from God's perspective, is an outgoing concern for others. That is the opposite of self-love. I'm not saying there's something wrong in taking care of yourself or improving yourself or building up confidence. These are good and should be encouraged in your walk with Christ. You're not, this is a, called a temple to God. We're not to disrespect it. Or, but we can't. If we focus on ourselves too much, it becomes very selfish. The problem comes if you're seeking to love yourself first before loving others the selfishness takes over. If you have a continual inward focus, your eyes is off Christ. To truly love God means that you have to take care of yourself because God has given you this body and you should not abuse it. Because if you were sickly, or how could you go out and help others? So you, how could you love God? The ultimate way of loving yourself is loving God through loving others. So we have that it's Loving your neighbor is yourself, or loving your neighbor means everyone, and it's not a self-love. Two things that we can take out of this parable. It's also actions, not intentions. What did the priest and the Levite do? They walked by him. They may have had an intention to help him, but they didn't do anything. Their actions proved... What they did, what they showed. You know, that Samaritan, whenever he was journeying, he likely had places to be and things to do. He may have family he was going to. It, it inconvenienced him to help this man. He had to stop at an inn. He had to bind up his wounds. He had to take time out of his life to help this hurt man. But did it deter him? No. He put his life aside and did what was required to make sure the man got the help that he needed. When God calls us, do you listen? When we're faced with these circumstances, do we walk around it? Or do we face it head on like the Samaritans? Do our obligations and worldly wishes get in the way of loving our neighbors as God asks of us? You know, good intention means nothing in the kingdom of God. I could have the best intention to go out here and save everybody in the world, but I'm sitting at home on my hind end not doing anything. I have no, you know, I have the intention to go out and save souls, but how am I implementing that intention? Am I going out, talking to people, doing Bible studies, or am I sitting on a computer at home, scrolling through Facebook? What matters is the action that we take. In Matthew 21 and 28, here's another parable that Christ gives. A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go to work today in my vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and he said, Likewise. And he answered, I go, sir, and went not. Whither of them did the twain of the will of the Father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said unto, unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. The first one, he said, no, I'm not going to go. But he went. 
The second one said, yeah, I'll go, but he never went. Actions. What did the actions prove? That the intention's not everything. Don't be fooled by the label. We had the label of a priest, label of a Samaritan, and label of a Levite. You'd think that a priest or a Levite would have, by having that label, or how's that relevant today? Ooh, preacher so-and-so, brother so-and-so. Just because I'm, most of the time they have that title, they're, they're showing their work, but some people carry that title reverend, this is something that, you know, they have this title, but it doesn't mean everything. Many people in today's world would be disappointed if they saw a preacher walk past a person dying in the street. This label, it kind of elevates them to a higher standard in our, in our minds. But by looking at the actions of someone, we get a glimpse of their true character. Actions speak louder than words. Don't judge someone based on their appearance or title. Again, Jesus speaking says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree that bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. You know, I, we plant a garden every year at my house. Oh, I have a bunch of brothers. I'm the oldest of five boys, my mom and dad. And we don't go out there in the garden and plant a row of corn and think we're going to go get okra off of it. Or plant some thistle plants and think we're going to go pick berries off of them. That's, you, you don't do that. You plant corn seed in the ground, a kernel of corn, and you get a stalk and you get an ear of corn to eat. By putting something in, it produces a certain thing. Same with people. If you have a good fruit... Good tree, you're going to bring forth good fruit. You have a corrupt tree, you're going to bring forth evil fruit. As I says, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Then Paul, speaking to the Ephesian elders here, you know, they have... He's speaking to elders. He's pulled the elders aside from the congregation and is speaking to them. These are the elders of the church. And he says to them, For this I know, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. These are elders that he's speaking to. And he says that they're going to speak perverse things to draw people away. These are men that Paul lived and cried and sweated with for three years and had these elders and still yet they're going to... So even though they have a title, you need to judge them by their actions. I'm not saying to, to be cautious of everyone and you know, be overly cynical, but be wary a little bit and see how they act before you, before you trust them all the way. Don't be fooled by these labels. You know, in the mind of the Jews, it's unimaginable for this Samaritan to be the protagonist. Here he is, this lowly dreg of society in the Middle Eastern culture to be the Savior in this story. Yet Christ went again all the misconceptions. Time after time, He smashed these misconceptions in the, in the Pharisees' minds. 
Instead of those holding these religious positions who should have helped the dying man, it was the Samaritan who did something extraordinary. What does this tell us? It tells us just because you're in a position of religious authority, it automatically doesn't make you righteous. It means nothing unless you back it up with action. It's not who you are that defines you, but rather what you do. So like we said, we have the priest, a man trained for religious work. They live their whole life serving in the temple in some form. They may be singing, they may be sacrificing. The Levite, who's part of the religious tribe of Israel, these people, this their entire lives dedicated. And then you have the Samaritan. A normal Jew would have no dealings with in day-to-day life. And finally, don't search for a reward whenever you're trying to help someone, showing love to someone. Don't see what's in it for you. What did the Samaritan stand to benefit from helping that hurt man? Well, he could have died before he even got anything out of it. And I'm not saying that he was looking for anything out of it. But our human nature makes us a little bit more willing to be inconvenienced or willing to help someone when there is a reward at stake. Not just money, but maybe the rewards impressing someone or bringing attention to ourselves. You know, I want to have a building dedicated to, I want the Levi Richardson orphanage home being built because I donated $100,000 or something. And I want that attention brought to me. When there's something in it for you, you're not really acting in the spirit of the Good Samaritan. The best reward comes from helping someone when there's nothing in it for you, knowing that your actions are pleasing to God by caring for His people. In Jeremiah it says, I the Lord search the heart, I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. God's going to reward you based on what you do. You could go be out there helping someone and no one ever sees what you do. No one knows except the person that you helped and you. God knows. He searches the heart. He gives every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. As a partridge sitteth on eggs and hatcheth them not, so he that getteth riches and not by right shall leave them in the midst of his days and his end shall be a fool. You know, I I could build up a lot of wealth here on this earth and I'm going to die and it's going to be left to somebody, be it my family or others. So don't go out searching for a reward whenever you're going to help and showing to love someone. Samaritan didn't. So what's the application of this in our life today? Well, like I said, loving your neighbor means everyone. It's not self-love. Actions, not intentions. Don't be fooled by the label. And don't search for a reward. Our love for God is reflective in our love for others. Loving your neighbor is always related to loving God. And real quick in 1 John 4.20, I didn't have time to put it in there, but it says if... If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. So in this parable, we have a picture painted for us. We have a picture of a a man helping a hurt man. You know, this man who has, he's helpless. He has nothing he can do nothing for himself. Ooh, 
who does that hurt man sound like? Sounds like me. Lost in sin. I could do nothing for myself. People walking by me all the time. Oh, you see him? He's walling in sin. Pass right by me. And then Jesus comes by and takes and saves me and picks me up and binds my wounds and sets me on the path. Samaritan sounds a whole lot like Jesus, don't it? How? How beautiful is that picture? God taking time out of His life to save me. What did I have to offer? I was dying there on the middle of the road. Had nothing to give for myself. I couldn't even move people passing by me. And yet God, Jesus, walking by, is like, I'm going to help you. Had nothing to do with me. I had nothing to do in it. You know, I, I, I couldn't. I was helpless here. These things, all this, I hope that has helped you maybe think about things a little bit differently. How, even though these are stories, you know, that we are read in a Bible that's 2,000 years old at the newest, they're still applicable to us today as Christians in 2022 in America. These things you can take and study these further. I, I had to cram this little bit in there, and that wasn't even all of it. I'm just barely studying a facet of this parable. You know, I, I just I studied for weeks on this and got these five things out of it. That's just barely tapping, that's just scratching the surface. I encourage you to go home further and read read the story and Look and see what else we can take and apply to our lives so we can be a better Christian, so we can learn to love better, so we can all these things. That's all I have for today, tonight. If there's anything I can, we can do to help you tonight, if you, you know, I didn't really talk about how, how, how to save you, but, you know, there's water always around. If you feel the need to be baptized, we're called... The door is always open for you. If you, or if you need prayers of the congregation, we uh, welcome you forward as we stand and sing this song. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.